Well, we continue to speak on the family. Uh, remember, we started a series some weeks ago that we called Rebuilding the Foundations. And this was a response to the challenge put to David, whose life was being threatened by King Saul, the ruler of the country, in Psalm 11.3, where it is stated, quote, If the foundations are removed, what shall the righteous do? Now, we have proposed that the same conditions that brought about the question of desperation on, from David's friend back then, that these situations still exist, or in fact, they exist today, especially in our society. Because we believe that the traditional moral, spiritual, social, civil, and political institutions that were the basis of our once dominant Judeo-Christian nation have been, have already been, or are in the process of being torn down or destroyed. And I believe we see evidences all around us. We shared some of those before, so we won't, we won't go through them again. But David's response to trust in the Lord and rebuild the foundations of his nation serve as a motivation for us today to do the same. And because we believe the scriptures teach that the home is the basic foundation stone, and I'm using that word purposely, the basic foundation stone of society, we have decided to go back to the basics of what it means to build a Christian home. That's the focus I will continue with today. Now, it is not often stated or perhaps even recognized, even by God's people, that the Bible alone gives us a template, a model or a pattern of what a home is to be like. A template, a model, a pattern. The Bible is the only source that gives us such a model or pattern or template for the home. And this is what we explained before, but because we are rebuilding the foundations, trying to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance of the word of God, we say it again. God is a trinity. God is a triunity of persons or triad of equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that this triune concept is imprinted upon, not merely on man, who is made up, of course, of spirit, soul, and body, but also upon every institution God has established, including government, church, and the family. We have a divine template. Now, in my previous messages, I have proposed that the purpose of marriage and the family is to show what God is like. And this is an outworking of God's intention. When he said, let us make man, actually in context it doesn't mean a male here, it means mankind. Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness. And the outworking of this is that mankind in all of its dealings is to show what God is like. We have forgotten that. In fact, some have not even known it. And I believe that's one of the reasons why the foundations are being torn down. Now, in my previous message, I also propose 
that this is something that is true of the home that we need to focus on. And I want to say very clearly today my conviction that man, mankind, as well as these divinely instituted institutions such as government and the home, man can and will only achieve and experience complete fulfillment for our purpose for existence if each member of the divine triad are functioning as they should. I'm talking about the divine triad within the family. The triad, to remind you again, father, mother, and children. That's the divine triad of the family. Father, mother, children. Now I've used an illustration of this concept before. I want to do it again because we're rebuilding the foundation. So let me show you a diagram again to illustrate this profound truth. And it is a profound truth. It's a truth that's, that sets at the very core of our life, our being. But we've forgotten it, we've neglected it, or we've refused to obey. I believe this is necessary to help to rebuild the foundations of our home again. So take a look at this diagram as we go through it. It won't take a lot of time because we did it previously. The Trinity is made up of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons with different functions. That's why, by the way, it's erroneous to say that God is a person. We can say the Father is a person. We can say the Son is a person. We can say the Holy Spirit is a person, but not a Godhead. We cannot say that God is a Godhead in his completeness as a person. God is a triunity of persons. So we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons with different functions. But one God, equal in essence or nature. Theologians call it the, his ontos, who he is as God. One being, one essence, one nature. Now, within this triunity of equal persons, and by the way, this doctrine of the Trinity is unique to Christianity. Unique. It sets it apart from all other religions, this concept of the triune God. But within this triunity of equal persons, the Father is the head, while the Son and Holy Spirit willingly submit to his directives. So there is a divine submission within the Trinity, the triune God. So right away, that tells us something about the nature of submission. It tells us it's a divine activity. Did you get that? This is important. Submission is a core element within the Trinity, the triune God. So submission is a divine activity. Now, ladies, keep that in mind, because when we talk about submission of wives, right away the red flag comes up. That's because you've been taught according to the world's concept of submission and not the Bible. And we'll see that as we go into details. Right now, we're just giving an overall a panoramic idea of the home. The Father then is the head, while the Son and Holy Spirit willingly submit to his directives. This is the divine pattern 
model or template for the family also. It is to show what God is like. The father or husband, the wife or mother, and the child or children. The triad of the family, the divine triad. The husband and the wife are two persons. But when they marry, they become one. They show what God is like in his unity. The father, mother, and children are one blood. By the way, the father and the mother, the husband and the wife become one flesh. The father, the mother, the children are one blood. Together, they reflect what God is like. This is the template. This is a model. The father is the head. The mother and children are to be in submission to his headship. But notice now, none of these individuals, these persons within the Godhead is better or superior to the other as far as their essence or personhood is concerned. They are equal. The only thing that's different is the function. They have different roles. They have different functions and responsibility within the Godhead. And we could use all kinds of descriptions, but we won't do that at this time. We'll do it later on, but just one, because we all make this mistake. How do we approach the Father? I try to model this in our prayer at time every Lord's Day we gather. Our prayer is to be to the Father on the basis of the work of Jesus through the energy of the Holy Spirit. Nowhere in Scripture are we asked or commanded to pray to the Son or to the Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying it's sin or wrong to do that because we all sin out of ignorance, don't we? Including myself. But I'm just trying to show you there's a divine pattern that is shown. And that is reflected throughout the Word when you do a careful study of the Word. They each have different roles, different functions, and responsibility. Now, when each function in these areas, according to the divine intent and template, they show what God is like. That simply means that when each element in this divine triad does what it's, he is supposed to do, then it shows what God is like. And that is true in the home as well. Now, with regards to marriage, which we spend a little time on, we'll come up back in detail later on. In doing some reading when I was on vacation, I came across these comments that I thought were very good, and it fits into what I was speaking on. One author puts it this way. Look very carefully at this comment. I thought it was so good. And I quote, One of God's purposes for marriage is to illustrate the relationship of Christ and the church. Just as in the old covenant, Israel was Yahweh's bride, so in the new covenant, the church is Christ's bride. Listen carefully to this now. This divine marriage encompasses all of time, from eternity past to eternity future. That's relationship with God. It is not as if Paul is casting around for an illustration of what it means to live a godly married life and thinks of Christ the church. In other words, he's saying if Paul isn't trying to figure, I, I wonder if I could find an illustration of this truth someplace. No, he's saying it was always there. 
Listen carefully now. Quite the reverse. Marriage is the illustration. Christ and the church are the ultimate reality. Do you see it? We reflect, we show back by our relationship as husband and wife what the relationship of Christ is to the church. We reflect it back. The template is Christ and his church. The pattern that we ought to follow is Christ and the church. He made another comment that, I, that struck me and I think is very important. Let me read it to you again. I quote him again. By taking a bold stand for lifelong monogamous heterosexual marriage, pastors and their churches inculcate Christians against an overly sentimentalized view of marriage that pervades the culture. And by committing themselves to marriage as a covenantal institution, Christians reflect the commitment of Christ to his church and thereby proclaim the gospel in their way, in their very unions, making marriage a blessed tool of evangelism. In other words, if husband and wife live the way God instructs them to live, it's a powerful way of winning people to Jesus Christ. The opposite is also true. When you live ungodly like, you chase them away rather than winning them because you're not following the template. Now, I want you to get this in your mind then. The triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, equal in nature and essence, but different in function. That's the template. Mankind, spirit, soul, and body, looking at an individual, but marriage now, family and marriage, husband and father, wife, mother, children. You have the divine triad. That is to reflect what God is like. Man, I say again, will never find complete fulfillment. Husband and wife, children will not find complete fulfillment until we are following the template, the model, and the pattern. Now, with regards to the family, there are three overarching principles that are divinely imposed that I believe must be followed if it is to achieve the divine purpose for its existence, thinking especially now of the home. So with regards to the family, there are three overreaching, overarching principles that are divinely imposed and must be followed if it is to achieve the divine purpose for its existence. We can to see that the principles involved with the marriage, with the husband and wife, and with children, the family. We're looking now at the principles that have to do with the family. Principle number one, and we looked at this last time. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's principle number one. We looked at that way. Sacrificial love. This is how a husband is to show the headship. Not by domineering, not by being an authoritative boss, but rather a loving servant to his wife in meeting the needs. Principle number two. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. That's to reflect the relationship of Christ in the church. Principle number three. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Now, we've already looked briefly at the first two principles. Our focus today is on principle number three, what I call 
the third of the divine triad for family and a godly home, and that is the children. Now, I call this the dual command in principle number three because there are two aspects of the command when it comes to children. Each covers a specific period of the child's life. We sometimes miss this. If you look at the passage, children, obey your parents in the Lord and so on, you'll see that the subject, the subject of the passage is children. The subject is not parents. We've dealt with that to some degree. The subject now is children. And so God is speaking to children. And he's speaking to children of all ages. So if you're a child, and of course we all are, child of someone, at least I hope so. But if you are a child and you are a child, then this applies to all of us. Married, single, at home, or not at home. Divorced or single parent. Although, as we'll see, the obedience takes another form. The older we become as children. We'll take a look at that in a moment. But now in context, these are the children of the husband and wives that were addressed in the preceding verses who make up the first two principles of what I call the divine trinity and triad of principles for godly home. In other words, the children we're talking about now are the children who belong to this father who's the head, this mother who's to be in submission. Now here's the children. How does this divine triad reflect what God is like when it comes to the children? Remember now, it's a template I'm talking about. It's very important that we understand that. Listen carefully to this statement. It is impossible to have a home or family that completely shows what God is like if either of these principles are violated or not applied. If husbands do not love their wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself her, his wives are not in submission, and if children do not obey and honor, there's no way we're going to show what God is like. In fact, we'll do just the opposite. We'll show what he is not, rather than what he is. Now, I want you to see my emphasis is on completely. When I say they will not be able to completely show what God is like, because sin has interrupted this divine plan, and we'll talk about the effects of sin on the divine template in one of our messages in the future. But this is how believers in Christ are enabled to overcome the force and impact of the fall upon the family life by following the word of God. If we don't, we will not, now listen carefully, we will not show victory over the fall, even though we're Christians within a home. In other words, what will happen even though we call ourselves Christians, we say we are a Christian father, we are a Christian mother, if we don't follow the word of God and love the way Christ tells us to love and to submit the way Christ tells us to submit, we will only reflect the world's view of marriage and not God's view, although we call ourselves Christian. You understand what I'm saying? If you go contrary to the template, the pattern, then you won't look the way God wants you to look. To show what he's like. Without this, I say, we're still living under the curse of the fall upon our family relationships. And if there's one place where the home needs to apply the benefits of redemption, is within the home. The results of our being unfaithful to the word of God 
will be the same as it was with the first family. And I mean Adam and Eve and their children. What happened when Adam and Eve disobeyed God? Loss of intimacy between husband and wife came immediately. So did loss of intimacy with God came immediately. Why? Because they disobeyed the template. They disobeyed. They went contrary to the pattern. They went their own way. And there was a struggle that came then from that moment on for who's the boss? How did it impact the family? The first place it impacted was in the area of worship. Hatred and violence came, originated in the family. Murder, hatred, jealousy didn't begin in the hood. It began in a home, but in a home that was disobeying the word of God, straying from the pattern, straying from the template. And so this divine triad is broken. It doesn't show what God is like anymore. But it shows what a disobedient believer is like. Cain and Abel. Hatred. An abandonment of God's way of worship. Going my own way. Doing my own thing. And then as you continue to read on in chapter 4 and 5, you have... A multiplicity of divorces, you want to call it, or wives. You have marriage being marred when Lamech started to take more than one wife. And you have right there a picture of what happens when you go contrary to God's pattern of one man, one woman for life. It's all laid out. And we're going to show that as we go. It's all laid out what happens when we refuse to follow the pattern, the template. That God has given for us. I say to you again. And we're talking about the rebuilding of a Christian family. Because that's my concern. It is only possible. For this template to be reproduced in our life. By those who are filled or controlled by the spirit of God. And that's the operating factor in Ephesians chapter 5. That deals with the home, the marriage and the family. Each member of that divine triad to reflect that template is to be controlled by the Spirit of God, to be filled with the Spirit of God. Now, look at this passage again concerning children. There are two specific commands in the passage. One, obey your parents. And two, honor your parents. Now, each of these commands are followed by a modifier or an expanded explanation. In other words, the command had to be explained a little bit. And each is followed by a clear explanation of what the pattern is to be like. And if children refuse to obey this dual command of obeying and honoring their parents, their life is headed for chaos, disappointment, and perhaps an early death. That's the word of God. This is serious stuff we're talking about. We're talking about rebuilding the foundations. Means going back to the plan, the master plan, the template. And this is what we're doing. If you believe and take to heart that the Bible is the word of God and that he expects and even demands that you obey, then you reflect what God is like. But if you only look at the Bible as an ancient set of suggestions for you, you live just like the ungodly all around you. Let's look at the first command then given to children. 
children, obey your parents. That's the command, the modifier in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, if you're a child, then this applies to you. All of us will obey our parents. Now, some have taken this in the Lord to mean that the command is directed only to Christian parents. In other words, if your parents are not Christians, then you're not supposed to obey them. Some Christians say that. Still, others take it to mean that children should obey their parents as though they were obeying the Lord. And to me, that seems to be the best interpretation of this passage. In fact, I take it to mean all of these suggestions. Because the context is clear. Paul is speaking to believers in Christ. He's dealing with divine principles that constitute a Christian home that reflects the purpose for it being created by God to glorify him by living with one another in such a way that the triad design family reflects what the triune God is like. A child, specifically those still in the home or who have not reached adulthood, is to obey their parents because that's the right attitude to have and that's the right thing to do, especially if you're Christians. But even if you're not, you're still supposed to obey these commands because that's the way the world is made. That's the way God created the universe. Order. He never created children to boss their parents, to give their parents advice. No, he created parents to boss their children, to give them advice. Whenever you try to turn this around, you have problems and difficulties. And you could go to all the psychologists you want to go to, you're still going to have the problem. That's where the second modifier comes in. For this is right. It's the right thing to do. That's the way God has made things, order. And this command then is specifically binding upon children who are not adults, but still under the parents' roof. In other words, this is just the way creation has been set up by God. Children are supposed to obey their parents. If they do not, God's creative order and purpose for that order goes haywire. And the image in the family will not be demonstrated. What he is like is marred and defaced. And God is blasphemed in the world because children refuse to obey their parents. It destroys the template. Now this is also true we saw in the marriage life when the father isn't the loving father that he's supposed to be and the caring servant for his wife or the wife is not submissive as she's supposed to be. The same truth holds. When we do not obey, we mar the image of God. But let's turn our attention now to the other part. And I believe he's speaking now to children who are not under their parents' roof, as we say, or who have reached adulthood. Are adults outside of the home, of their own home, still to obey their parents? Many will say, no. Well, I don't see a modifier for that in this passage. It doesn't say children... Not you who are married and outside your home or adults obey your parents. I don't see that there. And I don't see it taught anywhere else. But there is a difference. Because it takes another form than just submission to instructions. Notice the second command. Children, honor your parents. This is the part that I believe is primarily addressed to adult children. You say, how do I know this? 
How do you know this is speaking of adult children specifically, although it may be applied to all? It's because of the word honor. Now, usually, drawing upon our current unusual understanding of this word honor, we interpret it to mean show respect for, don't we? In the sense of saying, yes, ma'am, no, sir, and so on. We honor our parents by showing, being nice to them. Not speaking back to our parents and so on. That's what it means to honor parents as an adult. Now, while these things are true, I don't think this is the primary meaning of this text. Paul teaches us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 and 4 and verses 17 and 18, that honoring someone means taking care of their financial needs. Read the passage, it's very clear. It speaks about honoring teachers who work hard at teaching. Remember that? He says, honor them. Give them double honor, especially those who work hard. Now, that doesn't mean when you have a good teacher, faithful teacher, you're supposed to say, yes, sir, yes, sir, twice. In the context, it means taking care of their physical needs, their material needs. When you get down to verses 17 and 18 of the same passage, it talks about how children are to honor their parents. How are they to honor their parents? By taking care of them. Especially when there's no father around, there's a widower or there's a widow, there's no wife around, whatever. We're supposed to take care of our family. An adult child, therefore, whether at home or not, obeys their parents by honoring them, by taking care of them financially in their old age. Jesus said that many of the Pharisees were failing to care for their parents. And he said that they deserved to be put to death. Isn't that something? That's what Jesus said in reflecting the Old Testament law. It shows the importance of honoring parents by adult children. These ungodly Pharisees made up their own law to counteract the law of God, to avoid taking care of their parents financially. They actually distorted the law so it could affirm their refusal to take care of their parents. As far as Jesus was concerned, refusing to care for your parents in the old age is a capital offense. Did you get that? As far as Jesus is concerned, read it in Matthew 7 verses 19 through 13. Listen to this quote. Biblically speaking, honoring is the opposite of repudiating. God himself states in Exodus 21, quote, and whoever curses, that's the word repudiate, whoever curses his father or his mother shall certainly be put to death. It is opposite to honor. Here we see just how strongly God feels about this matter. Wonderful promises are given to those who honor their parents, but those who repudiate and reject them are threatened with severe judgment. End of quote. Paul is quoting from this passage in Exodus chapter 20, verses 12 and 16. And he modifies them by adding these two things, live, live life, a long life. Notice what he says. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Now, many commentators have debated whether this means that it is the first commandment with a promise. Because actually, this is the fifth commandment. 
So what they're saying is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it in this fashion. Listen to this now. This is a promise showing loving kindness to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. This is the context in which this command is given. So this is not really the first commandment that has the promise attached to it, but rather it is the first commandment that tells us that it is of primary importance. This is the primary when it comes to the family, because it's given in the context of the family, the side of the commandments happening to the family. This is the most important command within that context. Children are to honor their parents. Notice the second modifier. It says, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. I want you to take note the fact that those who obey the law receive a blessing. Here it is. A long and prosperous life is promised as the usual reward of those who honor their earthly parents. Now, young people, I want you to understand, hear this carefully. You want to live a long and happy life? Some of you say, yeah, and the only way I can do that is if I don't listen to my parents. Well, the Bible teaches just the opposite. The only way you're going to do it is if you obey your parents. And we have all kinds of examples of rebellious children, but we'll leave that for another time. You can read about a rebellious teenager, for instance, who was a drunkard and he repudiated his parents in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 to 21. God commanded that that young man be put to death. Why am I saying this? To underline the fact that God takes obeying and honoring your parents seriously. So when we talk about the family, don't leave the children out of this divine triad because we still will not show what God is like. And so, as we have application, I say to the younger children, you are to obey your parents and pronounce repeated disobedience and repudiation of parents' authority brings judgment both from God and from your parents. That's not the right thing to do. By looking at these examples, we see that younger children are to obey their parents and that gross pronounced repeated disobedience to and repudiation of parents' authority and regard by God is very seriously objected to by God. So young people, I'm saying to you, if you want to show what God is like in your family, you have to begin by being obedient to your parents and by honoring them. Grown children are to care for their parents, and when they fail to do so, their lifestyle as well as their length of life could be adversely affected. Grown children are to honor their parents, to take care of them in their old age. If we don't, we could have severe judgment in our own life. Now, why is this so terribly important? Because God has designed the human family to reflect his image and to show what he is like in the world. And so for children to fail to obey and honor their parents is to disfigure mar the image of God in the family and to make him look bad to the fallen world. But thirdly, when the child disobeys his parents, he, for all intents and purposes, is disobeying God. Children who are disobedient to their parents are showing that they are disobedient to God as well. Jesus is our example as children as well as for husband and wives and fathers and mothers. Not only did Jesus obey his father, but on the cross, Jesus made provisions for his mother, telling John to take care of her. 
One of the seven last words of the cross was concerned with honoring parents by Jesus Christ himself. And then finally, like parents, if we are to obey this dual command to obey and to honor our parents, we must be filled, controlled by the Spirit of God. In other words, our right relationship with our parents begins with the right relationship to God. And so, since I'm speaking primarily to children today, I ask you a question as I close. First, have you committed your life to Jesus Christ as Savior? Have you come to a place where you acknowledge that you're a sinner, that Christ died for you, and God raised him from the dead to validate that fact, that he died in your place, and that you have trusted him as your Savior? You need to do that. Why? Because in order to be the kind of young person that God wants you to be within the family, you must be controlled and filled with the Spirit of God. And only a person who trusts Christ as Savior can be filled and controlled by the Spirit of God. And so if we as a family want to reflect this divine triad, this template, and remember, template is important. When God gave instructions to Moses to build the tabernacle, he says, now be sure that you follow every command, every instruction that I give you. It has to be exactly the way the tabernacle is in heaven. Don't go from it. Don't stray from it at all. Or you receive the judgment of God. A template is given to us as the family. It's there. If we don't follow it, then... It's only judgment, either from man or from God. But the divine template is there. And if we want to rebuild the foundations that are destroying our nation, we must begin in the home, and we must know what that divine template is to show what God is like. Please bow with me in a word of prayer. Now, if you feel that God has spoken to you in any form or fashion and that you need to make a commitment to him, we encourage you to do that right now. Whether a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a child, you feel that God has spoken to you about your relationship to him and to your family, why don't you make a commitment now to change that with his help and make it to him, not to me or anyone else. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the template you've given us for the home, for the husband, for the mother, for the father, for the mother, wife, children, young and old. Help us, we pray to submit ourselves to the control and energy of the Holy Spirit so that we might be able to demonstrate what God is like in our relationship to the members of our family so that the world may see what God is like and be drawn to him. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.